And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Season three. Who knew? I didn't know there'd be a season three. I didn't until they sat me in front of a microphone and said, go. (laughs) We were both drugged and carried to a studio. (laughs) And here we are now. Well, Sweeney, it's good to see you. It's great to see you. I mean, I've seen you a bit. Yeah. I guess the last time we wrapped up season two. It was in January. 11 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had a lot happen since then. Yeah. Conan Show came to an end. In June. We got to do some live shows in the Largo Theater in Los Angeles, which was wonderful. That was exciting because it was a day-to-day situation where would the city of Los Angeles allow live audiences back into theaters to see shows. And they basically allowed it for just that two weeks. <laughs> Literally coincided with the last two weeks of the Conan show. And then they they kind of shut it down again. It's just a reminder of what we loved about the show. Where you're getting that constant feedback yeah. from the crowd. Like, oh, this is going well. Keep going. And because we had announced that Conan was ending the show, everyone was like, oh my God, we got to drink this up while we can. And I almost thought for a second, because I could see his face and how happy he was, I was like, oh, he's going to retract the announcement Uh to end the show. (laughs) That's right. So what else? Did you do anything exciting since uh, the show I did. I ran a marathon. Oh, that's unbelievable. Not like a a professional marathon, but it was 26 miles with some friends. Yeah. And we basically created a, a race that went from one person's house and, and and hit all of our houses and then ended at another house. 26 miles. We trained like it was a real marathon. We got shirts made. I've never heard of anyone just... Did you come up with a name for it? We called it an LA Marathon. It was not the LA Marathon. Ah. Well, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, uh, I haven't been doing much, but you know what? I am thinking of doing a swim that I'd have to train for. Yeah, you're a good swimmer. Well, no. Well, I don't know. You always show up wet places, so I assume you were swimming. (laughs) (laughs) No, my wife told me about there's um, Alcatraz shark swim. Oh, I I knew that's what you were going to say. Oh, so you've heard of this. I have heard heard of of it. it. And you start at Alcatraz and you swim to shore. You commit a crime and you get sent to Alcatraz. Right, right. You stay there for five years, and then you you have to chisel through the wall. Now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I'll actually commit to doing it. It's a year from now. It's so cool. Well, I think we should address the elephant in the room, which is, I mean, a lot of people have asked me, how are you doing new Inside Conan episodes when Conan is not on the air anymore? I asked you that two minutes ago. You did. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, there's still so much to be said about Conan's 28 years in late night. And we had a lot of guests we still wanted to talk to and a lot of good stories we hadn't told yet. Mm -hmm. Plus, we keep getting listener questions about really specific bits and people wanting to know about certain props and things that we wanted to find the answers to. So this is going to be a little bit more of a retrospective season. Yes. We're talking about Conan's entire 28-year run in late-night TV. Right. And we're going to start kind of chronologically with his debut in 1993, all the way through Late Night, yes, The Tonight Show a little bit, and end with Conan on TBS. Exactly. And we're going to talk about 
You know, everyone's wondering about what's happening with Conan and HBO Max. So when we get updates on that, we're going to fill everyone in on the new show as well. Yeah. We're going to cover the 28 years chronologically, but it's... Give or take. Yeah, we might jump to 2007 before we talked about 2003. Don't get mad. Here are some things I'm looking forward to this season. We're talking to Conan's wife, Liza, Mm -hmm. about how they met... Very thirsty for this story. I'm excited about it, too. And if it goes well, we can start interviewing his children. I mean, (laughs) sky's the limit here. Yeah, we're going to talk to the writer who actually came up with the iconic character, the masturbating bear. I don't know what more you could want than (laughs) to meet that particular person. We're talking to our legendary prop masters about some of the lengths they went to to get, for instance, a real sheep skeleton. Yes. For... A sketch. Yeah, ordered the night before. Well, ordered is a nice way to say dug up. (laughs) Who knew the creation of props could be that dramatic? And then we're going to talk about uh, some of the really famous musical guests on Conan that we haven't really gotten into that yet. And it's been a a giant part. The musical guests Mm -hmm. during Conan's late night career is, you know, David Bowie, Springsteen. Springsteen. Aretha Franklin. Um, The first guest ever. Radiohead. Yeah. Yeah. He was like into Radiohead before they were Radiohead. Yeah, Conan was. And uh, a lot of behind the scenes stories about guests Mm -hmm. and how the show is put together. All of this is interactive. Like we want to hear from listeners and Conan fans, which is you, what you want to hear about and what you, if you have burning questions, if you, if something stuck in your head from when you were a kid and you were up late watching Conan on late night and there was a sketch that you're not sure if you dreamed it or not, right. but it's still been in your head this whole time. Whether you were traumatized by it or whether you <laughs> laughed at it. So that's all coming up this season. Before we travel back to late night next week, today we're checking in with our boss, Conan O'Brien, which is mandatory for us, uh, to talk about the final weeks of Conan on TBS the upcoming HBO Max project, and some of our personal favorite memories over the years. Here he is. Conan O'Brien. Thank you for joining us, Conan. Thank you very much. Thank you. uh, For having me. You know, I haven't seen either of you in a while. We wrapped the show in uh, late June, Mm -hmm. and then I flew east um, to visit family and take care of various personal matters. Really? <laughs> On the East Coast? Yes, yes. That's a code for massive facelift. <laughs> <laughs> the East Coast of Bulgaria. That would be really fun. Wouldn't it be, what would you guys do if I walked in today? Because I haven't seen you guys in right. a few With months. big plump If I lips. walked in and I just looked <laughs> insane, and it was clear that I had had major work done, and my face was pulled way back, right. and there was all this shit in my lips, <laughs> and my eyes were a different shape, and I, I was clearly in pain. <laughs> and, and, you, and you just wouldn't cop to it. Oh, I didn't cop to it. Yeah. And I was just like, right. hey, guys. How's it going? I'd be like, maybe the headset's pulling his skin back. Yeah. We have to adjust. I have always wondered who of my friends, if I went and got some crazy radical surgery, who would say something? I know Andy. Yeah. Would. Andy would. Yeah. Andy would you'd be have like, to avo- what the fuck? You'd have, to avoid, you'd have to avoid Andy the rest of your life. <laughs> fuck, it's Richter. I have to put that sack over my head again. Is that something you would want? Just what? For future reference, would you want honesty in no, that case? No, okay, God, no. okay. No, no, no. no. I would late. want people to just play along okay. and say, oh, 
Um, and how are you? And and not talk about it. And then the minute I leave the room, yes. you guys were all like, oh my God, he, he butchered himself. You can see the stitching. He looks like right a real housewife. I also love like, uh, you know, an aging comedian doing that because, you know, comedians, we're not supposed to- No. We're not supposed to touch That's our faces. That's not why people Agreed. want to see right. you. And no one- the, No vanity I, I never made it in this business because people were like, <laughs> I got to have me some of that. That was not the appeal. Well, so the, at so least the, one person said that, your wife. <laughs> no, not even. Okay. She was like, I can work He's around- really funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's really funny. I could work around some The flaws. checks are coming in. Right, and uh, as long as we keep the lights off, right. it'll be fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's it's it really is nice uh, to see you guys. I rolled it into is. the parking lot and I see Jesse Gaskell, mm -hmm. who I haven't seen for quite a while, and you look fantastic. Oh, you thanks. really do. You you, you look uh, happy. I haven't and, been outside in eighteen uh, months. Uh, I've no, missed. No, uh, I genuinely missed you, Conan. It's well, really good nice. to see oh. you. I miss you too. Yeah, I miss. Well, this is our gang. Mm -hmm. Most. Well, this is a good chunk of our gang that does the travel shows. Right. Uh, Sans Jose Arroyo. Jose Arroyo. Who's always with us. And- And uh, Jason Shalemi. And Jason Shalemi. And so- And Jeff Ross. And Jeff Ross. I mean, okay, <laughs> great. But I'm saying the nuclear core, it's the three of us and it is Jose. We're the ones that are always huddled around talking down creative stuff. Mm -hmm. Like which hat should yeah. Conan wear? Jeff Ross is always trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Ross is like trying to figure out where can we have dinner right. tonight. He's like, what, why, why, are, why are we here? Uh, what's why, the best pizza spot in Haiti? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then of course, Jason Chalemi is the true, true warrior who's making it all happen in the background. Bribing people, <laughs> um, schlepping giant cutouts of Jordan Schlansky around through the streets yeah. of, 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 of Italy. Uh, in, but it's us. And so I have to say, I miss... We all miss travel, yeah. but I, man, I miss shooting those travel shows. And I would like to do more of those because that is my favorite kind of comedy to do is sure. us mm -hmm. in a foreign country in way over our heads, yeah. <laughs> sometimes being attacked by angry mobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if we've get in the deeply, deeply offended a diplomat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we've caused we always Problems. go in like, uh, you know, meeting the president of the country is in the mix and it might happen. And and as each, you know, we land there and they're like, um, it's going to be the secretary of state. And then like a day later, it's like, um, the secretary of state's secretary <laughs> just canceled. So, yeah. yeah. You know what happens is there, it's always the president first and then right. they start watching YouTube clips. Right, right. And then it starts guy? dropping down <laughs> through the cabinet. And then finally, <laughs> the assistant to the exchequer right, right, right. will not see you. <laughs> right. uh, but it is really nice to be with you guys. And I have to say the most fun thing about making a show is just the day in and day out with the people. That's the part I always thrived on. I love the foolishness backstage. Mm. I think I laugh harder backstage at some of the nonsense and quips uh, and just absolute tomfoolery. Before the show starts. Before yes. the show starts. Stuff that could never air. Yeah, right. <laughs> and things are said that can never be repeated. Right. That's the joy of it. I'm definitely having withdrawal from that you know, part of it and hoping that when we uh, when we gear up for whatever's next that we can, we can recreate that. Yeah. 
We also could energy. just hang out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're uh, describing is friends he- spending time together. Yeah, except I'm always very <laughs> conscious that you guys were paid to be there. Right. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, I'm, I'm getting I'm, paid. Oh, you can still pay us <laughs> to quite, be your friends. <laughs> I am quite certain. And it's so funny because whenever I would get together socially with people, it was always people that were on my payroll. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be like, oh, isn't this great? I love these people. And they're laughing so hard. And my wife would go like, you realize that everyone you hang out with are people that you pay. So I'm probably going to just continue to pay you all just to hang with me. I don't have any qualms with that. Andy Richter would point that out. Yeah. And then you could go, wait, I'm paying you as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's our Andy impression. (laughs) We got it. Well, Conan, you mentioned, so we haven't seen you since the end, the final Largo show, and right. we haven't really gotten to talk to you about that that run of shows uh, live yeah. with an audience at yeah. Largo, which was really a great way to come out of the pandemic. It was kismet, which I'm told means fate. I mm-hmm. hope that's what it means and isn't just Kermit the Frog's Czechoslovakian <laughs> cousin. <laughs> Uh, it's kismet. Um, I we got very fortunate that I mean the Zoom was just becoming. It it really does siphon off so much of the joy yeah. of doing yeah. a show and everything that I love. I really, as as you guys know, always wanted to be in vaudeville, and I always right. wanted when I started my career in television, and they put me in a room with some fluorescent lights and said. You know, you and your partner Greg Daniels will will sit in this room and clack away on ideas and submit them, and you're never to meet or see anybody who's a performer <laughs> or be involved in any way in the production of the show. I quickly felt like I'm an accountant, right? I'm a comedic <laughs> accountant, and this is not going to fly with me. Yeah, I need to be around lights. I need to be around cameras. I need an audience to be queuing up outside. I want there to be people in crazy horse costumes. I want special effects that work or don't work. And I want a band. And so uh, that was the dream. And what I really wanted was a like Robin Hood gang that would follow me through the forest on these exploits. <laughs> Wait, I feel you veered off there. I did veer off. And then we would- <laughs> And we, would, we start we would, robbing things. We would take money, yeah. steal money. From people who deserved right. it. Yeah, and we'd wear tights. And that part I did, <laughs> that's where the analogy holds because I've always worn tights under my Under pants. your jeans. Uh, so we went through the Zoom and that was so, leaving us feeling depleted and kind of joyless. And, and, then, and almost like technically you're- Putting shows out like okay, we're yeah. fulfilling. Yes, we're doing the requirement. this. We're doing this, and this needs to happen. And yes, okay, I just finished my celebrity interview, and right. I hit all the points. Right. And it's very hard to create that sense of anarchy and fun without an audience. And then, lo and behold, we had we had planned we're going to finish up our run in late June, and it just timed out that. Just in the nick of time, yes. When the show was rounding the bend, that final turn, and these big guests are coming in, that we had audiences, and right. it really did feel like we're planning a wedding, or whatever you want to call it, a funeral. We're we're, we're planning an event that's very important to us, and it's raining and it's drizzling and we're struggling, and then just as the guests start to arrive, 
this, a rainbow. The, yeah, the, the crowds part. There's a rainbow. There's sun. Unicorns come out. And <laughs> it really was, we had the joy of audiences. The audiences were excited because they knew that something, you know, was happening. Special was happening. Something was ending. And they were fans. And then- Everybody got to take their masks off, I think, at the end because- At the very, at the very I end. I think at the very end yeah. because they had proof that they were vaccinated. Right. Um, the first week of shows with the audience, it's like, well, can, they can take their can mask they off, louder? right? Yeah. They had, they had to keep their mask on. <laughs> they but did. It, it was, it was muffled. Did, yeah. So what was that like looking at it? Was that uh, I, um, weird or you just- not? Like doing yeah, a show at so a hospital. It's so funny. It's the, it's the nightmare for any performer. Sure which is that you can't see their their faces. Right, and their I've, smiles. Yeah, and it, it is almost like a Twilight Zone nightmare where the comedian goes out to perform and no one has mouths. Yeah. Uh, and they're just staring at him. And then Rod Serling says, you know, <laughs> he wanted laughter, Be careful but what you possible. wish for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, trapped in a never-ending cycle of no laughter. It was amazing how much <laughs> laughter you could hear even with them wearing masks. Yeah. But then when we got to the final week and you know, uh, all my favorite people were stopping by and- That last week was- And it was really exciting. special. And then that yeah. final show where we surprised everybody with uh, this Simpsons clip. The cold open. Homer Simpson comes out and gives <laughs> me my exit interview and getting to go to Fox right next to my old building where I was working at The Simpsons when I got the late night right. job, when I was told that I would be getting that job in April of 93, I went right back to the same spot to record that with Dan Castellaneta and James L. Brooks was there oh, on, cool. on, uh, on a Zoom um, and so was Matt Groening. And oh, wow. You know, that was magical yeah. to be riffing with Dan Castellaneta, who's the greatest improviser. Yeah, you said yeah. he ad he Some of the lines were ad-libs. He added yeah. so many funny lines and, you know, he's such a great- Wow. He, he's the, he and, and that cast uh, at The Simpsons, they're just such brilliant ad-libbers. But to hear Dan just take the script that, uh, that Matt O'Brien and I had worked on and then just- bring it up nine notches with right. his ad-libbing. Right. And uh, there was so much fun. And then Matt and James L. Brooks pitching stuff. And I just thought this is like make a wish. Yeah. Like I must be secretly dying <laughs> yeah. and, and no one's told me, yeah. uh, but- um, Well, that's why we brought you here. Plus yeah. <laughs> Cause I feel great. A doctor's gonna come in and mm -hmm. Well, and when you saw news. that, I'm assuming that was the first time you've been Simpsonized. No. Oh, it's not. No, I see you've done your homework. Uh, <laughs> nicely just, done. No, 97. You just pulled a Gaskell. Um, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, exactly. We'll edit this out. No, I was in, uh, there was an episode, I think of The Simpsons in like 94 maybe, mm -hmm. where uh, Bart becomes famous and he comes on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And so it was my second go around. Yeah. So that was nice. It was like I did one really early on and then to do- Yeah, little bookends. Little, yeah, little yeah. bookends. Yeah, that's great. Must have been exciting to know, like you had to do that recording way in advance. Yeah, and actually they put it together very quickly. Yeah. But I would say we recorded it maybe five weeks before the final show. Wow. They got all that animation together. Um, they and isn't it nice to know you have something that cool? Oh, that yes. like, okay. oh my God. It almost like puts your mind at ease 
for the last show, knowing um, it's going to start with this great. Well, clip. you you know there are times, and I'm. It sounds like I'm bragging, and maybe I am. We'll but see. We've been fortunate enough to have we we. I would say as a staff and as a machine, we always prepared. We always did our homework. If we went to Comic-Con, if we put together a, a show that was important to us, if we went to another city, we would really try and get good guests, but we would also really try to top load mm -hmm. comedy, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so there were those times where, and even in hosting the Emmys, I remembered us trying, we would work really hard to try and have a cold open that would kind of right. be a secret weapon. We like to, you know what I mean? The yeah. You had that great idea in 2006, which was you start visiting, you just pop up in all the I go from one show to the you next. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're trying and to get, yeah, get to the Emmys. I'm trying to get to the Emmys and it was that uh, washing up on shore for on, Lost. A, on a beach, and I'm and I'm and the cast of Lost is there, which we actually flew to Hawaii to shoot, mm -hmm. and then I climbed down into the the portal, which was the big right. thing that year was what's underneath the hatch, and I climbed <laughs> down into the hatch, and then you see my feet punch through a ceiling, and I'm in the office from the office, and I land on Dwight Schrute's desk. And they're all staring at me. And they're all staring at me. That's so great. Yeah, it's it's. And then I'm, I, I visited the set of house and I'm just running from, everything is attached. To Catch work. a Predator. Yeah. yeah, and he, I ended up on To Catch a Predator. <laughs> and, and it was a great reveal because I yeah. wander into this room and you don't know why I'm there. Mm -hmm. And then the host comes walking in and I realize yeah. why I run away. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and so- um, <laughs> Future But criminal. I remembered being backstage when that was about to hit and knowing- and you were there, yeah. like knowing. I think we've got the goods. Yeah, and and I always love that feeling. Obviously, you don't you you can't always have that, but every now and then, I mean, that whole week of last shows was so much fun. But then to be there that that last night and know, right, we're backstage, we're telling the audience to settle, we're going to turn off the lights, and then Homer Simpson's going to walk in and talk to an animated me, and that's just the beginning. That's before right. we get to. The other comedy we have, the other surprises, and then Jack Black. Right. And you're like, okay, uh, if anyone's unhappy with this right, tonight, right. <laughs> That's on them. You're not getting your money back. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, so that was powerful to like to do that last show. But at the same time, I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept thinking, when am I going to have the nervous breakdown where I go, oh my God, it's over. What have I done? After the fact. After the fact. And that never happened. Yes. Yeah, you seemed really content yeah. that night. I was, it was... I was very happy that, I think I had a little bit of a, I didn't want to hang around too long. You know, I remember, I always used to talk about that. Like right. 28 years is a long time. And my favorite thing is we leave, uh, we all get on this, like my family and I get on this like American Airlines flight and jump and go to the East Coast because we're going to show my daughter Nev colleges. Right. She can look mm. at campuses. Oh, cool. Because of COVID, she couldn't go. So we thought we're going to do that. And we wake up and we're in Connecticut and I have a voicemail message and it's from Bob Newhart. And oh, he's wow. just congratulating me on a 28-year run. And he said, you know, I have to tell you, I, I substituted for Johnny Carson like, I think he said, you know, 60 times or some some 
huge number of times and he said, and I know what a hard job that is. And so congratulations. And I was like, <laughs> how did this become a reality for me? Right. Because I, you know, like everyone in How did comedy, he get my phone number? Yeah, how did he get my phone number? Uh, but I, who's, I, do, who's doing this impression? Yeah. I am still in that category so often of, I can't believe this person knows my name. Right. So I have kept that. If I get off the phone with like a Martin Short, I'll- Do I'll, you still feel that way? Where I still feel a little bit like, that was Martin Short, you know? <laughs> and he knew my name. Um, and he's probably used to that. Yes, yes. And he's, uh, yeah, and uh, he's not happy to be talking about. <laughs> he's usually calling to criticize me. I'm as stunned as you are, Conan. <laughs> oh, trust me, Conan. When did I'm I make this wrong well. turn? That was such a fun thing. He did this great bit. On, oh, so funny. I think it was, our, was it our second to last show or third to last uh, show? I think it was uh, like four. There was, yeah. Because the then you had the Seth Rogen. Uh, there were yeah. a lot oh, yeah. more he to had come. A, he, he had, oh, and um, Bill Hader. Uh, right. With the amazing surprise yes. uh, Paul Rudd yeah. appearance. Um, Best of you one last time. Yeah. It was such a, you know, great happening that last week. Yeah. But, um, but Martin Short, yeah, that was yeah. A great he came, moment. and it's so funny because he came to shoot this bit that I loved. It was a great idea. Todd Levin. by Todd Levin, terrific writer, and Todd Levin had this great idea that in that tradition of Bette Midler singing to Johnny Carson, last show, or yeah, on his last, last show, show in '92, Martin Short would uh, come out and sing a song to me. Um, that was all about how I'm the only one that asked. <laughs> there's nobody you know, like you. There's nobody right, like right. you. <laughs> there never has been, and that there's only you. There's only you. And then he starts singing the song, and people, I think, in the audience thought, well, this is really sweet. Yes, yeah. It's very- and I loved, I love that in the tradition of, I think, our show and also Martin Short, no. You're right. If you're expecting sentimentality, thank <laughs> you. Oh, and that <laughs> crowd, they- took the hook line and hook singer. Line yeah. they, they were, you could hear people going, oh my God, they were yeah. really loving oh it. And then he, I, I cut him off and I go, I'm sorry, Marty, Marty. And he goes, who, who, is it a problem, Conan? I go, yeah, <laughs> yes, Marty. This is the same song you did when David Letterman left the CBS show five years ago. And he's like, is it? And I go like, look at the tape. Right. And then we did a tape and, and Marty, of course, was nice enough to come in and do like nine costume changes. He came in the day before, it was a Sunday. Yeah, he came in. And shot all these pre-tapes. So he shot all these pre-tapes. So it was all a setup. And and so then we show him on Letterman singing the exact same <laughs> song, the Letterman. And he's saying, it was always you, only you, you're the only one. And then we come back and M Marty says, well, you know, it's David Letterman, he's yeah. a legend. And I went, yeah, yeah I know, I know, but <laughs> you, you how, do you, how do you explain this? Yeah, how do you explain this? You were on, it was Magic Johnson's talk yes. show. And you showed him, they showed him singing to Magic Johnson. <laughs> he did 20 episodes of his show. Yeah, and then- like more And it's the exact same. And then the one I just, I absolutely love was I, was I, he goes like, well, you know, it was magic and, you know, there weren't that many. And so I figured I should do it. But then he goes, I, I, I say, okay, well, what about the fact that you did this show and it was Jerry Springer and it was real footage of Jerry, uh, Jerry Springer's show while there's a massive fight. Right. Yes. And women are pulling at each other's hair and screaming. And he's in a tux in that and, one. And people are throwing chairs. <laughs> and in the middle of it, it is, it's Martin Short in a tux singing, there's only you, it's only me. <laughs> it's the stupidest looking thing. 
you know, I was just. And he played it great. Oh, man, like coming out great. of each pre-tape, he's just like, oh, well, um, well <laughs> yeah, that does ring a bell. It does ring a bell. And then of course, another behind the scenes tidbit is, so it's the Sunday before and I'm driving to the theater because we're gonna shoot all the pre-tapes and I'm driving in to the Largo Theater. It's really hot uh, because it's June. It's a really hot day. And I suddenly realize I'm almost at the theater and I'm wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> and I never wear shorts. Yeah. And I immediately thought, <laughs> shit, Martin Short's gonna tear me apart in front of everyone. <laughs> I actually had that thought. Of oh, course. Wow. Marty is gonna be vicious. Why did I wear shorts today? <laughs> Why? And then I park and I walk in and Marty's not there yet. And I go up on stage and we're all chatting and all of a sudden I hear, ah, young Conan. And it's Marty. He calls me, he always calls me young Conan, which is nice. <laughs> that is nice. It's nice when you're 58 and someone's calling you young anything. When ah, young Conan. And he goes like, ah, shorts. <laughs> and then just a machine gun. And of course, all the writers, everyone's there howling. <laughs> oh yeah. Howling and saying pretty much, get him, get him. Oh yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. We'll hold him down for it. Yeah, no, seriously. And it's just like, no, 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 no. I, you know, listen, you know, it's, it's always nice to see, you know, <laughs> Spam, you know, rolled into the, you know, like whatever, just going after my freckled legs. Um, and, you know, who knew that you had an autoimmune disease? And he's just like going, I mean, vicious body blows. And everybody. Uh, how cathartic of, for everyone. Yeah, all of you loving. Sure. Oh, great. Conan's getting torn apart <laughs> well, by the Because you master. do that to us. Oh, I would never do that to us. <laughs> Thing that happened that week that I haven't talked to you about was with Seth Rogen on yeah. the show. Yeah. You took a little hit yeah. off of a marijuana cigarette. Yeah. How is that? Well, you know, it's really interesting because I didn't know that was a surprise. I did not oh, know. You know, people really? always think, well, what happened was people assume everything's planned. Yeah, everyone assumes everything's planned. I had heard that Seth might smoke out there. And I'm fine with that. I think I had been told he may hand it to you. When I'm saying I'm told this, I'm being told this like the music, the band's playing. Yeah. And I'm being told this. That's usually when it happens. It, and usually you're told things at the very last second. I mean, famously, uh, I mean, I don't even know if people know this, but Yoko Ono was on our show in the 90s. And I remember the band's playing. Yeah. And they came out and they said, she's going to bring a bag out and she's going to try and get you to get into the bag. And the band's playing. And it's Yoko Ono. And so- You don't my, say no now, to go Yoko. Do, go do a monologue. Yeah, yeah. And so my, my rule is if something is presented, you have to do it. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you, you have to. It's the yes it's and- the, the improv yes rule. and. Yeah. Yeah. Especially so, with the cameras on. So Yoko, I remembered her kind of daring me to get into this bag with her. And I think she thought, well, the uptight talk show host isn't going to do right. it. And I said, let's go. And I get in the bag. <laughs> and so I'm in a bag with Yoko Ono. And then she whispered to me, we both have to hand out a piece of clothing. So I took off a shoe and handed it out. And she took off her shoe and handed it out. I love her running this, a schmaltzy yes. bit from inside the yeah, bag. Yeah, Yoko Ono. Like, yeah. But then Producing it. I was like, we need to keep going. And she's like, no, no, just the shoe. And I'm like, oh, no. 
you may know how oh, no. avant-garde. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, you, you may know how avant-garde art works. Right. I know how comedy works. Right. Yeah. More clothes have to come yeah. out. Right. So I, she didn't do it, but I just started handing out more oh, clothes. I love this was happening oh, in great. the bag. And it was happening in the bag. And then I think He's I, a bad man. I step out. And I think- <laughs> You're I, in my bag now, Yoko. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think she was like, oh my God, this is not what I thought was going to happen. Um, but I, that was a huge moment for me anyway. Yeah. It was probably her ninth bag of the day. <laughs> <laughs> she had just done it with Jerry Spring. Springer. <laughs> That's right. Well, Springer didn't have to hand out his clothes. That was two hours ago. Uh, so here I am. Seth takes out the cigarette, the joint, and he hands it to me, and I take it, and the crowd is obviously like, you got to do it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I got to do it. Yeah. So the first thing I do, which is real, is I'm, I don't smoke pot. Right. Um, and I, not to say I haven't tried it. I have tried it, and I've been around people have offered me and I've and I've just has never been my thing. Yes. Yeah. I have no issue with anyone doing it at all. I encourage everyone mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, but it's not my thing. And so I go to put it in my mouth and the crowd's chanting wrong end. And I'm <laughs> uh, that's how much I don't know as wow. I don't I didn't know which end. Right. I had the wrong end and that wasn't You, you don't want to put a lit yeah, yeah. I, I was- uh, That was a real Seth crowd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they all knew. Yeah. I mean, I think in the back row, they knew that's the right. wrong end. So I flip it around and then he lights it up and I take a deep breath and I let, I, I got it in my lungs and exhaled it and then uh, passed it over to Seth who passed it to Andy. And of course, Andy's a Andy pro. Andy was like, yeah, gimme. Yeah. yeah. And Andy, Andy had to put away his joint in Andy's order to take supplier. it. He, Andy That's had to take the joint in his mouth out <laughs> in order to take the one from Seth. So <laughs> just a minute. Hold on. God damn it. No one told Two joints me. already going. And a fifth of maker's mark. Now just hang it. So he does so we all do it and then we throw it a commercial and Jeff Ross comes running out. Right. I think he, Jeff Ross comes running out. I was like, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? We can't show that on TV. We can't show any of that. And he's really panicked. And I was thinking, wait a, wait a minute, am I wrong? Or it's like, isn't it legal? And aren't they selling it right. at Walgreens now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> can't you right. get this at Whole Foods? Mm-hmm. Then I just started talking to the crowd. Like, I'm just being told by my producer, we can't right. show that. And we ended up airing that too. We yes. can't show mm-hmm. it. But what what are you talking about? This is this is. But about wasn't didn't TBS actually say? Oh, wasn't there an in a way he was sort of. Maybe I'm not remembering this correctly, but TBS was like, "Oh, we're not sure if we can show this." No, like, no, they weren't sure they could show right. it. Right, but then they ended up. Yeah, because it it's it's, then they it's up like league. It's league. Yeah, no, it literally is like it's up there with chewing gum now. Right, it's not that Jeff was wrong. It's right. just that it was easily fixed. Right, right, right. and and also. You know, yeah, Jeff comes from an era where you get arrested and spend a night in prison right. if you've got, you know, so uh, he, you know, um, he fought. And imagine two joints in your mouth. Yeah, he was freaked out, but it all worked out. Yeah. And yeah, the great was, live energy. Yeah, it was camp. great live energy because, and also I think for better or worse, people know me and they know that, yeah, I put some English on the ball and I exaggerate some things, but I am that guy who would put the wrong end of right. the, I'm, I'm not. Um, it's on brand. Yeah, you're yeah. not faking it. I'm not faking <laughs> it. Yeah, and it all lined up. But also you perfectly. love when thing, 
you kind of love when things go off the script and you're yes. kind of mm-hmm. well you know, I think that almost calms you like oh it <laughs> the chaos. Oh, oh chaos and disaster No no I am you know I grew up you know one of six kids and we were all packed tightly together and I am comfortable around chaos it's very interesting because I'm a planner I'm a worrier I'm someone who is no stranger to anxiety and when everything's going according to plan and going just as it should, for some reason, I'm not thrilled. Mm-hmm. And then when I have all those qualities, but when things start to go to shit or when something goes wrong, I'm in hog heaven. Well, it's I'm probably so a relief because it allows yeah. you yes. to, yeah. yes. to just you, go with it and not have to- And you to can't think. It's expect a, perfection. Right. It's yeah. a huge relief because what am I going to do? I'm not in control. Right. You know, it's one of the reasons why it's really fun to be a guest on shows. You know, the times that I've- You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Most most shows. Shows with, you know- What? uh, No, but like, I I really, when I get to go on, uh, when I've been invited, Stephen Colbert has had me on his show and I go on and it's just, uh, you know, I think people can tell, I love not being the one that has to get us to commercial. I love not being the one. You don't have to be the babysitter. You get to be the baby. You get to be the one that's throwing shit. Uh, And you're literally next to someone who has that mantle of all the worries about making the show run. Yeah, and because I I know that so well, I mean, and and over all the years uh, on Late Night, all the 28 years of doing late night television, I was always just overjoyed when people went off the rails because, (laughs) and when a sketch went off the rails, because suddenly it's not my, there's, what can I do except enjoy it and hope it gets worse. Right. You know, that was really nice. The last show, were you ever outside of your body, like, or were you just like once the show started, the final show at Largo? Were you just like you seemed hyper focused of doing yeah. another? Yeah, do you I know was, what I mean? Yeah, or was I, there any... I, I was not outside my body. Right, I was not, right, um, right, right. and trust me, I'd love to get outside the sure. body. Uh, but uh, I was, I was very. Uh, this is what I do, and I'm going to do this. And it was important to me that we try and stick the landing, mm-hmm. and that it have the right tone, which was celebratory, really fun. And then a little moment at the end where I could sort of, in, in my own you know, brief way, try and explain what the idea was. The, the show really did start with a almost religious belief in uh, silliness and Robert Smigel and I both believing in this very specific kind of comedy and wanting to, at the very end, kind of say, yeah, there's this intersection of the silly and uh, the smart. And it's we don't often hit the mark, but when we do hit it, that's the point of what we're doing right. here. Mm-hmm. And so I was very happy that I was able to kind of say that succinctly. Yeah, you, yeah. I was really, because that's a that's daunting to have to articulate your, yeah. your yeah, whole I mission. Wanted it, I wanted it to end with, by the way, there was an idea here, and I think we stayed true to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very 
satisfying to me. I, I, one of the things that's just happened in the last, I mean, it's really started to happen more and more in the last five years or so is that all the mainstream, really popular comedians that I love, right. they they always want to talk to me about things that happened on our show in the 90s. And yeah. they were in grade school and they'll tell me how much it meant to them. And that was just delightful to me. I, yes. I'm so grateful. I'm just, and I, I keep telling them the same thing, which is for so many years in the 90s, <laughs> I would walk into a restaurant and, you know, people who were, who were, Baby boomers then, people in their fifties and stuff would look at me and go, "Oh, it's that guy," <laughs> you know. And and I we have kids. I didn't. In bed by the I, time yeah, I didn't on. know that there's like the fifth and sixth grade John <laughs> Mulaney and Bill Hader and yeah. you know, there's just this Seth really, Rogen, Seth, yeah, mm-hmm. all these kids yeah. watching who I, I didn't know, and I, I'm always saying to them, "Couldn't you have gotten to me some?" <laughs> I would have, I would have felt better. <laughs> fifth grade, yeah. Line up some fifth graders. To yeah, for yeah. You. Fifth graders with a time machine uh-huh. would have been really nice. But that was, you know, that was really nice. All these people kind of coming forward. I there was know. just kind of, an, was and a it was huge very natural. Outpouring. Yeah, right. We tr- it we very organic. We didn't do press. You know, I didn't want to do a big press right. thing. Uh, we did one, I did one interview with this guy, Joe Adalian, who's just, was, right. was a friend of the show in like 94. Right. since the beginning. Since almost. the beginning and uh, 93 actually. And wow. and he was always there in our corner. So I talked to him. That's nice. Um, but the idea of, didn't want it to be this big push of any kind. Wanted it to just be natural uh, and organic somehow. And then- uh, that was really nice. And I was glad because we shot the show at the Largo Theater, we were able to, there's a courtyard and we were able to have this kind of impromptu party. The last night. Yeah. On the last yeah. night. And that was really nice. Cause that felt- That was great. I mean, to do a show. And the first thing we did is we all went up, I went up to my dressing room and then uh, called for the writers to come up, and we all—all mm-hmm. all you guys came up, and some of you had drinks, and hey. we, were, we were hanging around. <laughs> no, it was nice. No. We were hanging around in this tiny dressing yeah. room at the yeah. Largo Theater while a big party was going. Not a big party, but a party was going down in the courtyard, and we were just having this really nice moment together because uh, it was, yeah, the, it was sweet. the engine room of the of the show. Everybody was together, and some. Uh, writers who were no longer with the show came back. John Groff was there. John yeah. Groff Berkeley was there, Johnson, who was a head writer for so many years, and Berkeley Johnson, still the best looking writer I've ever so seen. So beautiful, <laughs> just a beautiful man. Gorgeous man. man, and hilarious writer. Very beautiful. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> my, my bit with him for years, everybody would be in the room pitching ideas and Berkeley would be sitting on the couch. And Berkeley is a very good looking- uh, He's like a Fabio type. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say an that. Intellectual Fabio. Yeah, but but he's he's very thin. Yes. Um, but he's very good looking. And then he has this uh, like long flaxen hair that's mm-hmm. parted in the middle and he wears it long, sort of like a, a surfer dude. But he'd be sitting there wearing flip flops and people would be pitching things. And then Berkeley would go, you know what we could do? And I'd go, <gasps> Berkeley spoke, everyone quiet. <laughs> and my whole thing was, was that I was in love 
with Berkeley, and I'd be like, hey, yes, Berkeley, go, go on, go, go on, and, and everyone would be laughing, and, and it'd be like, well, I just think, well, whatever it is, we'll do it. Oh my God, the way the light is hitting the highlights in your hair, and so it was, I mean, what a weird bit for the host to have with one of his male writers is that he, he's in love with him and makes everyone shut up whenever Berkeley starts to say something. But yeah, it was really nice because. John Groff and Berkeley have all gone mm -hmm. on to bigger and better things, but then they they came back and it, that was really sweet. And it was, uh, and then we all went downstairs and, you know, the one thing I didn't do that night that's unusual for me is I, and you, you'll back me up on this, mm -hmm. I think, Sweens. I am a stickler for, if there's a crowd outside, right. I always go out yes. and I sign every single thing mm -hmm. people want. You do. And that's just my rule. Like, yeah. and sometimes at Comic-Con there's, a massive amount of people were after some of these shows at yeah. like the Chicago Theater and they've got pop dolls and they've yeah. got stuff and they they and I will just go until there's nobody left. Yep. And and a lot of times there's stuff you're supposed to be doing for the next day's show. Yeah. And everyone's kind of, you know, but it's like, no, this is yeah, part of the job. Here, it's part of the job. Do. The one time I broke the rule was the last show. There was a big crowd waiting and we had this really nice show and then this really nice time with our group. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I don't think I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can't, I just can't go out tonight. Mm -hmm. And sign pop I toys. I just don't yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah, sign pop toys. In that, the box. That, and I think by <laughs> signing them- sell right. immediately. I, I think by signing them, I actually devalue them. <laughs> do you have one that's not signed? Um, Is that erasable? I went out in back and we just, my wife and I left and I, was uh, the writers had given me this beautiful print of uh, a still of me and Homer on the set from the cold open and all the writers had signed it and framed it. And it was really lovely. And so I just, I grabbed that and I walked right out and got in the car and said, I just have to go home. You I threw can't. that to the mob to distract them. And yeah. Then you you <laughs> tore it down the road. <laughs> right. Ugh. I'm feeling emotional again, remember? I mean, that was, it was a special night because it didn't feel, like you said, it felt organic. It wasn't like we had hired, you know, this like catering, cater waiters and it well, just also, was a very I think in a weird sweet. way, you know, there was a lot that was mandated by uh, COVID. So yeah. it's right. not like we could have done all of that. And I'm thinking in a way, things happened the way they should have happened. So. We were only at Largo because of COVID. Right. There was that energy in the room because um, everyone had been vaccinated and masks were just coming off, uh, and it was before Delta. And there was this po <laughs> there was this pocket of time where <laughs> we had two weeks basically. I, 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 yeah. I swear to God, we we threaded some sort of cosmic yeah. needle, and I think um, it's great when you get a virus to cooperate with you. That's mm -hmm. they were big fans. Trust as me, well. I uh, everyone's got a price. <laughs> <laughs> You know how hard I had to work? <laughs> virus created uh, several years ago. Conan is very organized. Uh, I plan. I told yep, him I'm a planner. He's a good planner. What we need is it's got to start in China. Um, <laughs> no paper trail. That was really nice. And, you know, now it's very strange because I do the podcast. I do my right. podcast. Yeah. Right, right. And then. Um, that kind of, you did, there wasn't even much of a Oh, there's break. no break. No. Yeah. I mean, we had taped a few in advance just so I could have uh, July right. so that I could spend time with, uh, you know, getting my daughter around to campuses. Right. But other than that, I had to get my ass back here and then get back to work. But the 
day in, day out, you know, go to the theater, practice the comedy, all that. It's, uh, I think it still hasn't dawned on me. Are there ever, I was wondering if <laughs> you ever read stories. I mean, it's only been a few months, but if you'll read a story and think like, oh, damn, we would have had a really good a news take story. on that. I yeah. have to say this. <laughs> I have to say, the re- my answer to that is no. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I am not kidding, the news this summer <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. has yeah. been so bleak. And I don't even want to get into all of it, but every day I would, I would turn on CNN and it's just a litany of horrors and it really does feel like end of times. And I would think, I would have exactly the opposite okay. reaction. I am, and, and also- I'm so I, relieved. I know yeah. our show, our show was never, we would do topical stuff, but only in the silliest way. Mm-hmm. And when the news got too dark, we would revert to robots, dog mm-hmm. puppets, um, aliens, a man in the audience who's afraid of three inch bees, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever we had to do, we would live- Deflect, off, we yeah. Would, we would live off of the weirdness in our minds. We would block out the outside mm-hmm. world and mm-hmm. live off of the absolute uh, insanity that fueled us. And whatever I do next will be silly and right. probably not reflecting. Maybe what's not going topical. On. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I loved, I, you know, as, as both of you know, because you went on so many of those Conan Without Borders, I mean, on all of those Conan Without Borders shows around the world. I really liked the comedy of the universal. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can watch the Cuba episode today. You can watch any of those episodes today and they're not aggressively topical. They really are just- They're still communist. Yeah, there's exactly. They're fish out of water. They're yeah. just all fish out of water stories. And it's me trying to just rubbing up against completely foreign cultures and doing my awkward thing. And that's the comedy. And so, man, that episode with Jordan Schlansky in Italy is, I think, one of my, maybe my all-time favorite because it's completely pointless. (laughs) Uh, And it is a complete dose of- Fart sound effects. Insanity. (laughs) You and this guy who works on the show, like, wait, are in Italy all of a sudden? I take a guy who works on the show who annoys me- he likes Italy. Because he claims to like Italy, and I take him, and that's it. Right. And- we have all and you these go adventures a trip, a and I trip. lose my mind a little bit yes. and it's all recorded <laughs> yeah. and it is. We did lose our mind. Yeah. That was done in four days. Really long shoot and days. And traveled half the length of the country yeah. and it was it And you were in very brutal. tight quarters with and Jordan. the truffle hunt. <laughs> the truffle. Oh my when, God. Uh, when we go on the truffle, we go <laughs> on a truffle favorite. hunt. That's my it, favorite. It, it is. is so late. <laughs> it was late in the day. We have been working, working, working all day. We hadn't eaten. We're exhausted. We're supposed to go and do a wine tasting, which we're kind of looking forward to because right. it's getting a little chilly out. It's cold. It was off season and it's the sun is going down. But before we lose the light, <laughs> you guys said, well, we're supposed to do this truffle hunt <laughs> with these two guys that have the truffle hunting pigs. No, truffle hunting dogs. Dogs, yeah. Yeah. Truffle hunting dogs. And so I'm punch drunk at this. I'm just- right. I'm tired, I'm, and I had that thing I get sometimes where I'm in the van and I'm falling asleep and thinking I can't do it. Right. And then suddenly I rouse myself and I say, I've got to just go right now and do this truffle hunting thing and right. we gotta make it work. And I got this kind of crazy energy. Manic. Yeah. Manic energy. 
So I, we head into the woods <laughs> and, and I'm not having it. Like the guys are trying to be cute and pretend to find truffles with their dogs that they clearly- like, oh, it, was yeah. it was all planted. It was all set up. They had planted them beforehand. It, it was and a I tourist snap, trap. And at one point I'm hopping around like a bunny <laughs> and I'm- Plotting with them to kill Jordan. They don't speak any English. I'm howling and baying at the moon. I'm exposing them for the scam of hiding truffles. I'm yes. shouting. I'm. Sh I just completely lost it. We shot. <laughs> and it's clear they didn't really speak English. They didn't which speak English. Kind they of heightened help. it a lot. They didn't know yeah. what was happening. Right, right. I'm keep confiding in Jordan that the jig is up. This is we're being scammed. It's, it all happened in real time. Yeah. It was so much fun. Ugh. And then I think we went Nate. My favorite thing happened years and years ago. You weren't around Jesse, but Mike, when we went to Finland. Mm. And yes. you know, it had started organically where someone noticed a fan in Finland. They saw the show a day later there. And this is on NBC in you know, the 2000s. It was a bit we did where you would insult somebody's country for them and yeah. people wrote in requesting and yeah. you were working through every country and then i got to finland and someone pointed out you look just like the president of finland who's a woman and it turned out i if i put on glasses i looked exactly <laughs> like <laughs> the president of finland <laughs> so we started doing bits about that and then there was an election going on in finland right. and they were seeing it the next day in finland the show. my show and this became a big thing in Finland because no one has ever talked about them before. <laughs> and so Not every night this American show was talking about <laughs> Finland and the president of Finland and the host was putting on glasses and pretending to be the president of Finland and they were losing their fucking minds. And it started to affect the election. They were oh having an God. election. Yeah. So then the New York Times wrote a piece yeah. that the opponent was complaining that this NBC late night program that's shown the next day is yes. influencing the election, yes. which is against the law. And then it took off and we were like, I announced on the air, I'm going to Finland. And before that you started making, when commercials. The, you yeah. made commercials to get her reelected. Cause you were like, oh. this is money in the bank for me looking like her. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I got to get her reelected. <laughs> yeah. So we made ads to get her reelected. In, and, fin in Finnish. In, and we, I, you know, I'd speak phonetically. And, <laughs> and so then the next thing I announce is I'm going to Finland. I get on a plane, we fly, we land. And then I remembered someone gets on the plane when we land in Helsinki. They're like, well, how are you going to deal with the situation? And I said, what situation? They were like, you don't understand. There's a huge crowd outside the airport. It was like 4,000 people. 4,000 people, wow. and you're, you're gonna need to address them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then Chalemi scrambled and he got a megaphone. And they also said, you're and gonna- a ladder. They said, you're gonna need a ladder. And I said, why? And they said, no, you don't understand. It's 4,000 people. <laughs> so I make my way out, madness outside the terminal. They're getting violent. Yeah, and I <laughs> get up and I address them all in, uh, you know, I think I had a speech, but I, I tried to just address right. them all. And it uh, turns out, fortunately, a lot of them do speak uh, English. Better than us. Better than we do. <laughs> and no more American history than we do. And um, 
then we jump in a van and they're chasing us in vans. And then there's, we remember we tuned into the news and there was around the clock coverage. Yes, on all on three different <laughs> like, channels. Like literally, people with outside microphones the hotel. Right. outside the hotel. Yes. And people, oh. No, outside the hotel, yes. and a guy saying, "Well, we are told that uh, Mr. O'Brien is sleeping now. It is now <laughs> yes. two o'clock in the morning. He will reappear in the morning, but we'll stay here and keep <laughs> you posted." There's you peeking through the curtain of yeah. the window. I was supposed to meet the president of Finland on Valentine's Day, and I remembered that. Uh, we decided that I should get her like a big box of chocolates and some flowers because the, I mean, when I say the entire press was there, I mean, everyone with a camera in Finland. Helsinki today. Yeah. And it was at the presidential palace. And it was at palace. the presidential palace. So I go, they take all these pictures of me greeting her and handing her flowers and chocolates. And then I'm brought into a special room where we chat briefly. And then I walk out and there's a giant, and I'm led down these steps and there's a big iron gate, and behind the <laughs> gate are thousands of people. I look at them, and I just said, we did it! And the whole crowd cheered. And I remember saying to myself, <laughs> fucking did what? <laughs> what the fuck did we do? We didn't do anything. And then I said, this is the essence of what I love. Yeah. My favorite thing in the world is <laughs> these meaningless, I mean, Italy was meaningless. Mm -hmm. There's so much that we've done. A perfect in, metaphor for in, the show. In comedy, it is like <laughs> the masturbating bear. Mm -hmm. Is there any meaning or purpose to any of it? No. And I love that stuff. And yeah. I think comedy obviously has become much more political and people are upset and there's a lot of, and I think I've always gravitated towards Where's the giant bee? Where's, <laughs> right, right, right. where's the bear in a diaper? Where is the completely meaningless diplomatic yeah. trip to <laughs> Finland that accomplishes nothing? <laughs> I just want just more. waste everyone's where's time and money. To, there's the, more countries, right? The, Let's keep Italy doing this. I, the trip to Italy where I expose <laughs> two down truffle on their heels, hunters. truffle hunters. <laughs> 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 well, that was my favorite thing in Finland. It was that the Finnish version of the Truffle Hunters. Mm -hmm. You were ushered into a dark oh, soundstage, and there were two blonde, like 10-year-old boys who had pre-written questions that oh. they asked you in phonetic English. They spoke no English. They spoke no English. And you just lost it I, I, and started going after them in English. You can see me lose oh, my man. mind. They're two little blonde boys it and they, such they both segment. look like kids that would be in the omen. Right. So imagine two little boys with blonde hair and like little black turtlenecks and they're very severe and they have these yes. questions and it was this weird show that they had in Finland that was conceptual right. and I sat behind them. I sat between them. And, and they'd look of, at each other after they read the and question. They would, and their questions were things like, you say that it's television you do, but do you think your mind is there too? You know, and they didn't know what they were saying. They, they were just no phonetically reading things. And I start- Once you realize I had no, couldn't understand you. I yeah. start going mad. Oh. I go completely mad on camera. And I said, I said, I said- Welcome murderers. I said, welcome, welcome. <laughs> It's so nice of you to have me to your little Nuremberg trial. <laughs> and like, they're not laughing because they're just yeah. on to the next question of, you know, you say that, you, that darkness is light, but is light also darkness? And it was this insane fever dream and I lost it. 
It was so great. I break down. And afterwards, we're, I, it's one of those things where, because you were, it wasn't planned to be part of the show yeah. that we were shooting. I was I, doing them a favor. You were doing them right. a favor. Yeah. And it was one of those things where the thing we're done, we run up to them and go, okay, you can get us a copy of this, yeah, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's like, no, we have to. <laughs> no, no, we're leaving with it. Have. In fact, we're, not, we're taking the boys until we get the footage. We, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't leave the building until we had it. It was just like, we've got to have that. So great. Yeah. Well, I think there's still an appetite for this stupidity, and I there hope there's be, more to come. What is clear, and I, I, I believe that you have spoken to my wife, is that I cannot. <laughs> we did. I cannot hang around the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is very clear that my work is not done, right. and it, you yes. know, I hope that there'll be some appetite for it. To me, it's a uh, lifelong religious pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. It only ends with my death, which is <laughs> I must keep going places and um, making nothing happen <laughs> of any consequence that benefits humanity in no way. <laughs> but pay some bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God that yeah. you're yeah. still not sated yet. I just want to say to people, if my show taught you anything, then it didn't do its job. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch That's it great. again. Yeah, watch it again in real life. <laughs> You're just watching a man's mind unspool. <laughs> what's wrong with you? A lot of people are asking me, like, what's the HBO Max show going to be? Mm -hmm. And then I don't know how this happened, but when it was first announced, the descriptor was it's going to be a new variety show yeah. Yeah. starring Conan O'Brien. That cracked me up. A, a format that I think peaked like in 73. With Charo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I know exactly why that happened, which is uh, someone uh, in the machinery somewhere, uh, I think, at the, uh, at the network threw the word variety in there because we're in the variety comedy right. category, oh, right. which is an old term. That's, that's just still an old term, used. comedy variety category. So right. Really broad. So literally, I think a lawyer just said, <laughs> Cone is going to work on a, and then I'll said, handle this. And then he said, I'll take care of this. That, right. This will legally I'll cover us no matter what's, what we yes, do. And, and, and what's it, you know, why don't you have a louder yeah, I'm having some water. Oh, I know, sorry. But, God. Oh, you haven't talked enough? A I don't little... do, I don't, when I do a podcast, like I'm app. not making goulash as I do it. <laughs> it's your daily calm with pouring water. <laughs> anyway, literally a lawyer at somewhere in the bowels of, of some massive, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, a building in Mordor said, oh, what do we call it? Well, it's comedy variety. So just say a variety program. So anyway, that hit the press. And I had friends saying, so you're bringing back the old variety show. <laughs> Seriously? And, yeah. And, and so this is a true story. I met someone who was trying to get in touch with me, who's a uh, a juggler and a magician. Oh my God. Who oh. said, I would be perfect for your new variety Finally, show. Finally, wow. a variety and, show. And I've been waiting 30 years. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think- my ship's coming in. That people thought that I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be bump, 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 bump. It's the Conan right. show. Dun, dun, dun. Put on your hat, it's the Conan show. Try on some spats, you're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf, it's the Conan <laughs> show today. And that there'd be all these dancers yes. with red wigs on, and then I'd come out, it's Conan! And I'd come out and go like, hey, how's it going? And, and I had a tuxedo microphone. on, yeah, and I'm like, Giant well, Conan letters. We got it, yeah, we got a great show today, but first of all, bum, 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 and then I do a song. And then you birth the calf. 
Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> let's get to my audience. first guest uh, from uh, Dynasty, John Forsyth. We're going to pretend to be Cabbage Patch Dolls. <laughs> We're on this shelf and no one's buying us. And I'm not buying this bit. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and anyway, uh, that is completely not what's going to happen. What did that person say when you told them? Uh, they were juggling as they asked me. And when I said there'll be no juggling, they dropped all the balls <laughs> and the chainsaw. And now his name is Lefty. But uh, what I'd like to do is something that does not come on every night, obviously, because, mm -hmm. uh, um, right. and I've just, I, I've been thinking we have this, this world now in this streaming universe where people can make fewer of something. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it comes on once a week. Uh, and I'm thinking I really want to double down on the things that I love that we've talked about mm -hmm. on this show, mm -hmm. which uh, involves getting out of the studio and combining a bunch of the elements that I think maybe make me a little different. Mm -hmm. Because whatever I do, I don't, obviously, I'd like it to be something that might contribute or feel like it's needed. There's so many late night shows now, uh, and I've done so much of that. I feel like it should be something that is more unique to me mm. and something that uh, maybe we can spend a little more time crafting. And I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of very specific ideas. And you'll be seeing this coming your way <gasps> oh. in no time. Oh, <laughs> Keep your goodness. eyes peeled. And if you don't have HBO Max yet, don't get it until <laughs> my show shows up. I want them and to then get the free trial I, I and then them, watch yeah, them all. Yeah, <laughs> then, exactly. Then cancel it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was the a show's going to be called "Watch Me on the Free Trial Only." <laughs> Part of me does now that I've just made fun of it. Want to come out with a full-on yes. giant swing variety show? Dun, yeah, dun, 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 I know. Dun, dun. I was going to say. Now you're. It's yeah. the Conan show. <laughs> Conan's going to crack it. Grab your red wig, it's the Conan <laughs> Show with Kristen Wig. I just rhymed wig with wig. Please have a fig. Um, <laughs> it's the Conan Show. Shares your first guest. Yeah, shares your first guest. <laughs> On her farewell tour. Man, that's coming out any day now. Yeah, sure. We have started asking everybody at the end of every interview if they have advice for someone trying to do what they're doing. And we were actually wondering <laughs> if you have advice that. for yourself when you started all this, right. this business, now looking back. Do I have any advice for myself? I mean, yeah. young, 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 young Conan O'Brien in 1993 or even earlier. I made, I'm very uh, hard on myself. I really take it very, very seriously. And I wish if I could go back to visit myself when I'm starting my career in 85, or especially when I'm starting the late night show in 93, I wish I had been able to say to myself, like, you you have less to lose than you think you do. Mm -hmm. You know, I really thought if this late night show doesn't work out that I'm dead, I will die. And I made the stakes that high for myself. And I think working hard and taking things seriously and being intense certainly has its place, but... I also got really lucky. I think we, we survived because we were really lucky and that had nothing to do with my intensity. So I wish I had been able to understand back in 1993 that even if this thing doesn't work out, something will. Whatever happens now, we've put some work out there that I'm proud of and we had good intentions. And so 
now we're playing with house money a little bit. Like go out, continue to yeah. go and be silly, mm. but don't think, you know, it's all do or die. Right. All right, great. Thank you. Great, great, Thank great. Thank you, Conan. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, that was great. That was fun. It was fun. It was my fun goodness, and no one got hurt. All right, that was Conan O'Brien. It sure was. Right. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're going to push our luck and do a fan question. Yeah. On our first episode back, we love them so much. We're going to tackle one right now. This question comes from at Tim U underscore Ing. Tim Young. Tim Young. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe. What was the most challenging thing about starting your job at Conan? Oh. That was all challenging. Well, I think for me, it was... Yes. I was so intimidated to be among the funniest people I'd ever met, including Conan himself. Right. And sitting in that writer's room... It's almost like you go up to do double dutch jump rope or something and and you're sitting at the edge and you're like waiting for the rope to hit the right spot and you just keep waiting and waiting right. to jump in. And I had such a hard time jumping into the improvising that was happening because it was so fast and it was so funny. That's a really good analogy. My memory is the exact same thing, terrified, because you're just literally put in with this group and they already have this amazing shorthand with each other. Yes. So my thought was, I'm going to keep quiet for a bit and try to get a sense of the rhythm and that. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh my god, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be talking. You know, it's that weird balance, right? And you're like, do people notice that I'm right. that I haven't spoken in four weeks? You know what helped me? I started the same day with another writer who oh. I, Jonathan Groff, and we knew kind of knew each other from stand up comedy. Like, I remember the end of our second day, we were at the elevator together, and we just looked at each other. And started crying. <laughs> no, we did. He's like, he's like, are you absolutely terrified? And I was like, oh, yes, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> like, I would have felt so alone if I didn't have that other person just acknowledging that to me, because it was it's really, yeah. I don't want to build it up too much, but it's it's a scary new situation. I idolized the show, too, before I got there. So it was like, this is my literal dream job. Right. And what if it doesn't go well? Or what if they hate me? Or right. I get fired right away. Right. So you're so you're so in your head. And it's also that's like the worst place to be when you're trying to be funny. And it's so funny because when you came in, you just seemed like you were totally at home with the crew. Really? Yes. I was faking it so hard. That's funny to hear all that. because It is funny to hear. Part of that feeling of, oh, God, I shouldn't be in here. Some of that doesn't really ever totally go away. So I think... Uh, speaking for myself. Totally. And then when you find out all the people you idolize are also feeling insecure, then you think, okay, well, right. I guess I'm on the right track. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm, I'm with like-minded, miserable people. Yeah. <laughs> There's solace in that. Well, that's a great question. Thank you. And we are going to be doing this all season long. So ask us more questions, please. Fire away. You can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. Or give us a voicemail at 323-209-5303. And we're also going to post on social. Maybe we'll we'll tease some of our upcoming interviews. And, mm-hmm. and that way, if you have questions for specific guests, that would be fantastic too. And less work for us to do or to prepare. Exactly. 
If you have guest suggestions, if you want to write an intro for us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. That's right. And wait, one more thing, Jesse. Oh, yeah, that's right. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Conan.